everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, today we are continuing through Isaiah. So yesterday we looked at chapters 1 to 4. Today we are looking at chapters 5 to 8. And there is some interesting stuff in here. Um, You do have to kind of track with Isaiah. It is worth sticking around to listen to the reading or reading it for yourself. It's very valuable. So there is plenty of things to talk about here today, looking through Isaiah 5 to 8. What's the first thing you want to tackle? Obviously, the first thing that I noticed is there's a word picture going on with the people of Israel and a vineyard. And it talks about a lot of how this vineyard, although it's going to be very large, is going to be like ruined by uh, no rain. It's going to be ruined by like nobody's going to be taking care of it. It's going to be overgrown. And I instantly like get these images of my own garden uh, of past years and present where when it when the rain doesn't come it it just everything dies it's horrible uh when it's overgrown overrun it's like it's just killing itself and so i just immediately just get this awful image of just like dying and overgrown and just sad land so I immediately looked down at verse 7 where while we were reading, it was like, whoa, it just straight up says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are, ple- are his pleasant planting. Like what? So it's like literally just calling out Israel as like this terrible vineyard that's going to be ruined. It's going to be destroyed. And like the Lord's not going to care for it anymore. So to me, that is just like, shoot, they are just going to be completely uprooted and Killed, destroyed. Clean your house. word. Uh, yeah. The thing that got my attention is that he proclaims he will tear down its wall, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means that the hedge of protection that God has proclaimed over His people when they are obedient is going to be removed, and they will be like susceptible to everything that everybody else in the ancient world was susceptible to, and that is going to happen very quickly. And so the the Lord here is definitely proclaiming judgment on the house of Judah uh, and Israel as a whole, uh, letting them know that that um, this time of prosperity is going to end because it's of their done. wickedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you continue on, so like the first seven verses of chapter five is talking all about this vineyard, but then it goes even into more detail in verses eight, basically to the end of the chapter. Um, like talking about the people and how they're going to be like carried off and like it's just it's terrible stuff so like it's kind of alluding i guess back to the vineyard thing again but verse 10 says for 10 acres of vineyard so imagine your marine like 10 acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath like whatever you are able to like rummage from whatever's left will yield only a little bit so i guess that that picture again of the acre or the the vineyard is very interesting uh, because there's like very little good left in these people. It does feel like this is one of those readings where there's a lot packed into a couple chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes we're trying pretty hard to come up with something to talk about. And here there's, there's something interesting, I think, in every single chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah is going to receive his commission from the Lord. And that is going to happen in the year that King Uzziah died. Um, so we have been talking about King Uzziah. He was the king in Judah. Um, he was prideful and tried to offer incense before the Lord. He was not allowed. The priest came against him. 
Um, he was cursed with leprosy and then spent his time outside of the house of the Lord and then finally died. And so here, when King Uzziah died, we have Isaiah having a vision of like going up into the, like, I don't know, the, the royal court of the Lord. Isn't this that song too? Yeah, it's little little pieces of yeah, many yeah. songs, yeah. Um, but basically, what's interesting, there's, there's several things. Uh, Isaiah, when he understands that he is in the presence of the Lord, he immediately says, woe is me, for I'm a sinful man, um, which is very similar to what Peter does in, in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus is out on the lake performing a miracle, Peter falls on his face and says, oh my goodness, like I am not worthy of your presence. So, so many people, when they encounter the presence of the Lord, they are overwhelmed with their own sinfulness and often are pushed to a state of repentance. And so they put this coal, this angel puts this coal on his, Isaiah's lips and says, you are atoned. And Isaiah re- receives his commission, which is in uh, chapter six, like uh, eight through 13. And it is not great. Um, it's basically like, you're going to give a message. Nobody's going to want to hear it. The more you talk, the harder mm-hmm. they're going to get. <laughs> what um, a great mission. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a pretty odd mission that Isaiah is going to receive from the Lord. And he's he's goes to it willingly, I suppose. Um, the the next interesting thing I think that's going on is Isaiah receives this commission, and then he goes to speak with King Ahaz. King Ahaz, we're going to read about here in a couple of days, uh, in Second Kings sixteen. Um, he is not a great God honoring king. Um, he's like not really very good at all. And so Isaiah comes to him and tells him about this army that is coming against Judah. And it's actually like this alliance between the Syrians and the Israelites. So it's the the king of Syria is going to partner with the king of Israel and come to attack Jerusalem. And here's where some very uh, crazy things come together. If you look at uh, chapter 7, verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. So God speaks to Ahaz and says, hey, Ask me for a sign. Listen to what Ahaz says. I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Here then, O house of David, is it too little for you weary men that you weary you you weary my God also? So Ahaz is so prideful that the Lord says, Hey, ask me for a sign. And Ahaz is like, No, I won't do it. <laughs> and then God basically proclaims, well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Listen to this. Uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And so we look at this and we say this found its ultimate fulfillment uh, in Jesus of Nazareth, the the son of a virgin who was God incarnate. Um, This is another instance of uh, messianic prophecy that we know is fulfilled in Jesus. Hmm. Um, the the trick with this is that it also seems to have kind of like a near-term partial fulfillment and a far-term, I don't know, like forever fulfillment. Uh, because you <laughs> all... you all Yeah, complete. That's a, good, that's a good word, actually. You also get kind of a weird thing that comes together here because the, the story is that this virgin will conceive a son. Virgin can be translated actually actual virgin. That means like a woman who hasn't had sex, uh, but it could also be translated young woman. That becomes important because Isaiah is with currently at that time, like married to a young woman. And so this is important as we peel apart this prophecy. So basically here, the the prophecy is that 
um, before this son is old enough to know right and wrong. You can see that in chapter 7. Um, all of these kings that are feared, the kings that King Ahaz is afraid of, will be totally gone and carried off and wiped out. And so this is a near-term situation. And so you can read a little bit further in chapter 7. Um, it says, chapter 7, verse 3, And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mehir Shalal Hazbaz. I'm, I'm not claiming to say that correctly. Um, <laughs> For before the boy knows how to cry, my, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. So Isaiah himself um, sleeps with his wife, and his wife has a son, and the prophecy becomes, before this son is old enough to say, my mother or my father, these kingdoms will be gone. And so the, the near-term fulfillment is Isaiah is with his wife, who was at that time a young woman. Remember that translation situation? Um, and by the time that son is old enough to say, mommy or daddy, uh, Damascus is judged and Samaria is judged, which is Syria and Israel. Now, the the eternal fulfillment is, is that Jesus is yet to arrive, but Jesus will arrive in the same scenario, this time not being of a young woman, but being of a virgin. Uh, so the complete fulfillment is that promise of that coming branch, uh, that Messiah who will usher in this eternal kingdom that lasts forever and has no end. Uh, Jesus fulfills these things. So then at the end, after all of the the prophesying about the Messiah in chapter 8, we go to the end of chapter 8 um, in verse 16 and 17. Um, I suppose it's just 16, but anyway. The like title of this section is called Fear God and Wait for the Lord. So what's interesting is I think it's kind of alluding to like after he's talking about the Messiah, like just wait for the Lord, fear God, wait for the Lord. Then in verse 16, it says, bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. So what was interesting to me is like, wait, disciples, that word is super unique to the New Testament. And here it is showing up in Isaiah and when I was looking at our study Bible down in the bottom in our little notes section, it says for verses uh, 16 to 22, where we just started off, uh, it says the difference between the remnant and the hardened nation becomes clear. God marks his own as loyal disciples who preserve the testimony of his word, which this is crazy because all Isaiah is prophesying about, like before talking about the Messiah and needing to wait, um, he's talking about how Jerusalem is going to be like carried off. It's that that picture again, that mental image of the, the vineyard being taken away and killed off. Um, and so what's crazy here is it's not just um, bind these up or like bind up the testimony as the people of Israel, it's talking about anybody, like among my disciples, anybody who's going to follow me and fear me, bind up the testimony, like take this seriously and continue out waiting for the Lord, waiting for this promise of the Messiah. It is interesting when it talks about binding up the, the teaching and the testimony among my disciples. That's uh, chapter eight, verse 16. Um, it kind of goes into like this Example. So 17 says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. Then that has an exclamation point. 
If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. So it's basically this idea that if if you are going to anybody but the Lord, what you're doing is just foolish. We need to go directly to what it says, the teaching and the testimony, this idea that God's word is sufficient for our lives. We don't need extra input and we don't need foolish input from idols and, you know, demons, basically. Um, It is enough to listen to the Lord and people who are faithful to the Lord will listen to the Lord. Today, as we're reading through Isaiah, we're reminded of the importance of what God has taught us. When it's talking about the teaching and the testimony, um, it's talking about God's law. Um, which is literally like the first couple of books of the Bible that lay out who God is, what he's doing, and how we can honor him. Um, now today, we are aware of the Messiah and what Jesus has done for us. And so we apply Jesus' teaching to our lives. And by doing that, we honor God. And so this is just, I think, one of those general reminders. Um, continue to listen to and study God's word and continue to apply God's word. You don't You don't make decisions based on what you want. You don't make decisions based on what culture wants. You make decisions based on God's word. And that's really what's being um, sketched out in the end of chapter 8, this idea that, yeah, you're not going to be the majority of people, but the people who are honoring God will make decisions based on what God has said. And so we invite you to do exactly that. So we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow we are jumping into Amos. So some more prophecy, but from a different prophet. We'll see you then. Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more has there to do for my vineyard than I have not done for it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall become devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts and the house of Israel... And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting, and he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, and behold, an outcry. Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field, until there is no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath. And a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts. But they do not regard the deeds of the Lord, or see the work of his hands. Therefore my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. Their honored men go hungry, and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore Sheol has enlarged its appetite, and opened its mouth beyond measure, and the nobility of Jerusalem and her multitude will go down. Her revelers, and he who exalts in her, man is humbled, and each one is brought low, and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, 
and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Then shall the lambs graze as in their pasture, and the nomads shall eat among the ruins of the rich. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, who say, Let him be quick, let him speed his work, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near, and let it come, that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are, in, are wise in their own eyes, and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, and deprive the innocent of his right. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble, and as dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them, and the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this in anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. He will raise a signal for nations far away, and whistle for them from the ends of the earth. And behold, quickly, speedily, they come. None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps. Not a waistband is loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, all their bows are bent. Their horses' hooves seem like flint, and the wheels like the whirlwind. Their roaring is like the lion. Like young lions they roar, they growl and seize their prey. They carry it off and none can rescue. They will growl over it on that day, like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. Chapter 6 In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled the holy seed, 
is its stump. Chapter 7 In the days of Ahaz the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin the king of Syria, and Pekah the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees in the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool of the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Razin and Syria and the son of Ramalia, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tebel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Razan. And within sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the land of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they will all come and settle in the steep ravines, and in the clefts of the rocks, and on all the thorn bushes, and on all the pastures. In that day the Lord will shave with a razor what is hired beyond the river, with the king of Assyria the head and the hair and the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. In that day a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, and because of the abundance of the milk that they give, he will eat curds, for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey." In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrows, a man will come there, and for all the land will be briars and thorns. And as all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns, for they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. Chapter 8 Then the Lord said to me, Take a large tablet and write on it in com common characters, belonging to Maher Shalahazbaz, and I will get a reliable witness, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Zeberkiah, to attest for me. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mahir Shalahazbaz, for before the boy knows how to cry my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again, Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh, 
They flow gently and rejoice over Razin, the son of Ramaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of his people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, whom you shall honor as holy, let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel and the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged. And I will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.